1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 16. Uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles. That means people that were in a place and have been scattered, uh, scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of the things that they have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. We're going to just have a moment to be still. We put a lot of energy in at the start. Um, but, but before I speak, and I, I, my aim today is to encourage some of you, maybe you've lost heart or lost hope, um, and maybe for some of you that used to have hope and have hoped in Jesus and it's kind of gone a bit cold, my hope is to encourage you. But should we just be still? Uh, Daniel, maybe you could put the word cloud slide up. I think there's one that has a, um, not that one, um, there's another one, that one. Uh, this is from last week. Uh, these are what the church sort of said was on their heart last week. I know it's tricky to see. Maybe Marys, you could turn the lights just off. Um, but let's just be still and quiet. And if you feel prompted um, to pray for any of these things, um, that would be great. Um, but yeah, let's just be, be still and just wait on the Lord. Lord God, I just want to be still now before we hear your voice. Um, and I pray that if there are things here that we want to pray for for our world, things that we want to cry out for those who have no hope, I pray you just hear our prayers now. But let's just enjoy the moment, enjoy the quiet, enjoy God's presence here. But if you feel prompted, uh, do pray. Lord God, we thank you that you're here. Um, I pray that our quiet and our silence might be done in in solidarity with those who have no voice today, who are unable to speak, who are in prison around the world. Um, Lord, I want to pray that you might just um, encourage us and challenge us and um, just shape us now as we come around your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. So, um, we're going to explore God's Word together, and um, Dan, if you want to flick up my uh, opening bit. Um, have you guys ever heard about a place called Flagstaff in America? Um, 
there are lots of Flagstaffs in America, but I'm going to tell you about a specific one. Uh, Flagstaff in America was a glorious small-town American jewel. Imagine a high street with soda fountains and kids and adults just frolicking in the sun, just skipping happily to getting burgers and various things from the burger shop down the road. Flagstaff was beautiful. It had lovely homes that were well-painted and white picket fences, and the town took a lot of pride in it. Uh, Suddenly, though, a decision was made that changed the future of that town uh, forever. A dam was going to be made, and the whole basin where Flagstaff was was going to be flooded and become a lake. The residents were given a 30-year notice period, uh, and they were devastated, um, but they determined, they said, to keep going and keep Flagstaff going as long as they could. However, over time, because there was no hope for the future they began to realise, what's the point of doing DIY or, or jobs for the town? Why would you do that? After all, we're going to be flooded in 30 years' time. And so gradually and gently, even though they'd promised to kind of stay to the end, 10 years before that time, the town was so dilapidated and so run down that there were only three residents left. You see, the problem was that if there is no hope in the future, there is no power in the present. There's no hope in the future, there's no power in the present. That town had lost hope for its future, and so they lacked power in the present. Does that make sense? Uh, Lots of us, I think, are forgetful that we who are in Christ uh, have the greatest future promised to us of any. Um, other world religions might talk about a life after death for, for, for people, and this is not me trying to bash them. Um, ours is greater. Ours talks about not just a resurrected people, but a resurrected planet, creation transformed again back how it was. A relationship where God walks with his people, where there's no more sickness and death and suffering. Like we have this hope there, but we also have a hope that every single day where we walk with God, that we can know God in a different way. And, and we'll explain that a little bit. But, really quickly, Dan, next slide. Thank you very much. Um, What is a living hope are the questions for today. This is what the passage talks about. We have a living hope. What is a living hope? How can I have it? And how does it change things once we have it? These are the three things I'm going to try and cover. Hopefully that gives you uh, a bit of a roadmap. What is a living hope? How is that different to to hope? Um, How can I have it? And how does it change things? And and hopefully, um, a few of you uh, who maybe lack hope will be encouraged in hope. Um, Quick question. Have any of you started watching... Next slide, Dan. Thank you very much. Um, Have any of you watched this program? The Traitors. Uh, Raise your hand if you've watched The Traitors. Okay, not many of you. I hope for more. Okay, so Traitors is a show on BBC, uh, which has just started its second series. It's not as good as the first series. But in in Traitors, uh, there's a group of about, sort of, I think, 30 people, 20-something. And secretly, three or four people are chosen to be traitors. Their job is to eliminate the rest of the group by murdering them at night. Not actual murder, I was disappointed to find. Um, But sort of just voting out from the show. And then during the day, the rest of the group have a a round table where they talk and they try and figure out who the traitors are. They they, they are always, always incompetent and it irritates me and I end up yelling at my telly. Why am I telling you about this? In the game, those who are traitors know something that has changed everything about the game for them. They know during the night they won't be murdered. They they know that cannot happen to them. 
So at night there's this hilarious scene where everyone's going, oh, I'm so worried about tonight, will I get murdered? And the traitors are lying. They're like, yes, I'm worried as well. Uh, and one of them was so, I won't tell you actually, there was one who was really bad, right, um, who didn't seem to get the concept. But they knew something that changed everything. The traitor knew something about the game that others didn't know, and it changed everything. You, you kind of with me? I, I, I really hope so. Um, at night time for them, knowing that the morning was definitely going to come, changed everything. It took away fear. It gave them power as well. Um, Dan, next slide. Um, the challenge for us as, as, as believers is that the Bible here talks about Jesus uh, as our living hope. You see, lots of people put hope in things or stuff or themselves. But for Christians and believers, Jesus is a who. He's not a thing. We put our hope in him. He's a living hope. Why is that better than a normal hope? Well, because if we put our hope in money, it might get lost. It might get taken. If we put our hope in, in something that, that may be like a treadmill to get us fit, once we've mastered running, it doesn't do it anymore. Jesus is a living, moving, adapting, changing hope. But there's someone who was given a diagnosis about health who I think speaks with a real power um, about Jesus being a living hope and how it works. I'm going to play this video for you now. This is um, an American pastor who's now dead, sadly, um, but um, sadly for us, not for him. Um, And he'd been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and this is him talking about how Jesus is a living hope for him in that circumstance. Does that make sense? Hopefully you're going to be able to hear it. And um, I'm having to do a a text switch here with my lovely friend Dan, so um, the cable not long enough. That's cool. Sorry, Dan. So, um, just really, really quickly, just while he's getting it ready, do you want to have a quick chat to each other? Uh, out of ten, how hopeful do you feel right now? Just have a little chat, just, just while he's getting stuff ready. How hopeful do you feel right now in the world? Have a little chat. And not about my sermon, about the world. So, have a little chat. Uh, thanks very much. Okay. Okay. Uh, how hopeful do you feel? Very hopeful. Raise your hand. Anyone? Very hopeful. Okay, cool. Uh, mildly hopeful. No hope. We'll chat. Okay. Uh, let's, let's hear uh, Tim Keller talking a bit about how Jesus is a living hope. Um, here we go. Okay. Let me just say something that Kathy and I have talked to each other about in the last year. If Jesus Christ was actually raised from the dead, if he really got up, walked out, was seen by hundreds of people, talked to them, if he was raised from the dead, then you know what? Everything's going to be all right. Whatever you're worried about right now, whatever you're afraid of, everything is actually going to be okay. Mm. Uh, because because you got to remember, we're not just talking about resurrected people. Jesus Christ is, and this is where Christianity is unique, we're talking about a resurrected world. Meaning, other uh, there's plenty of other religions that talk about a future afterlife, which is a non-material world. In other words, you get a consolation for the world we've lost. Christianity says it's not just your bodies are being resurrected, but the the world is actually going to be a material world that's cleansed from all evil and suffering and uh, and sin. And if Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, then the whole world is going to be, in a sense, resurrected. And everything is going to be okay. Everything. You don't need, you don't know how, I don't know how, but it will be. So uh, and you know what? Actually it would right now I couldn't possibly be convinced that Jesus was not raised from the dead, either intellectually or 
existential. So whatever, I, and by the way, but Kathy and I, listen, we cried, man, we cried a lot last night. Sometimes the reality of the shortness of what we have left here just overwhelms us, and we were just weeping together and, and crying. And then you say, if Jesus goes to the the dead, it is going to be okay. And then you can wipe your tears, but you don't stop crying. Uh, it's like salt in the wound that keeps the wound from going bad. Uh, it keeps them from getting infected. But it doesn't mean that until the end of, you know, until we actually meet Jesus Christ, we still have our wounds. So they are going to be healed. But they'll be healed by his. I love that. Our wounds will be healed by his. Like, like um, that guy, until the very end of his life, found hope in that. Uh, it sustained him. It sustained him in a powerful way in that he didn't go quietly into the raging uh, of the darkness. You know, he raged against the dying of the light. And, and he spoke with, with power. His funeral was a, a huge testimony uh, to the power of a living hope. Um, simply put, that alone is where true hope can come from. Just that, that one thing that Jesus is Lord over life and death and that he did rise from the dead. That, that's it. We will not find satisfaction in anything else. It is our, our hope. And so, so how do we get it? How do we get it? Uh, Dan, if we flick on uh, for the next one. How do we get it? Um, this is what the Bible says. Uh, 1 Peter 3 uh, says this. Um, because of his great mercy, he has given us a new birth uh, into this life uh, through the resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you one question. How do I get it? How do I get it? Because this is the key idea of life, right? How do you have life beyond death? Um, I want to ask just one question. Who does it? Who does it? Well, God gives us great mercy. God gives us new birth. God gives us the resurrection of Jesus. That's, that's a work from God. You can't manufacture this yourself. Some of you, I think, still are thinking, if I can just get my life straight, if I can just do this, and if I believe the right stuff, I'm going to be fine. It's not about that. This is about a work of God. And what's our response? Um, a quick unhelpful story. Have you ever been in a place where, um, um, especially maybe when you're younger, where you think someone is giving you the eye? Like, they sort of give me the... And um, when I was a teenager, I was told a lot, like, if you see a girl fiddling with her hair, it meant she was interested in you. Um, did anyone else heard that? Yeah? Thanks, mate. Yeah. Um, or or if, they, if they looked at you a long time... They looked at you a long time. They're interested if they kind of kept your eyes. You know. um, so, true story. Uh, some of you might be wondering why I didn't date much. Um, there was one moment in school where I thought there was a girl that was interested in me because she kept touching her hair. Uh, and I spent the rest of the day getting close to her because I thought this is, this is anyone that I can date. And that at this point would be a help. Uh, two days later, I had head lice. true story the point of the story is this though our, our job is to respond to the, the great mercy of God the offer of a new birth and resurrection you cannot make it happen yourself but just as you see someone in my case I thought trying to woo me God is trying to woo you he is the blunt fact though is that his invitation has gone out to all of you and I'm going to try and say this as lovingly but as carefully as I can. 
We often think now, because of our modern day life, well, I need to just choose him or not, and it doesn't matter if I don't. God says, my love is for you, and I want you to love me. For us to say no is to say, God, I don't need you. I don't need your power over life and death. I don't need your forgiveness. Uh, And to put yourself in rebellion against that. If God is a king, and this is his nation, if we say, God, I don't want you to reign, that puts you in that place. The good news is that God loves rebels and will keep running after you. But please don't think that God's existence depends on whether you believe in him or not. This is not Discworld. Those of you who read it, in those books, the amount of believers believing in a God makes the God appear and gives the God. That's not how it works. I want to challenge us gently. God in his great mercy has said, come and receive my hope and my life. And he asks you to believe. He says, I'm going to make it possible for you to have a new birth. And we in our church symbolize that through baptism. Someone coming out of the water, you think about how a baby's born, the water breaks and a new life develops. And we respond to God and say, God, actually, it needs to make a difference. Not just sort of sometimes, but my whole life, my whole self. I'm going to throw myself into this hope. And then lastly, resurrection. We need to let the Spirit change us, God at work. It, this has to be something that we, we sort of enjoy and love and take in and, and work out. It's not just something to know in our heads. It has to be lived out. We should challenge anything within us that, that says this is not true. We should challenge it and challenge it and challenge it. Uh, Dan, just really quickly. Let's slide on. How, how does it change things? Um, if you can just have a, a look in your Bibles, we're going to do one bit of work together. We, we do interactive stuff here at church, not just as a gimmick, but to try and get us sort of talking about God's word together and, and doing a bit of work together. Um, can you have a quick look? Uh, from sort of verse 4 uh, onwards, it gives a whole list of how having hope can change us. It's sort of Peter's prayer for the church. He, he says, I want you to know this, to know this, to know this. Have a, have a little chat, just for a couple of minutes. Uh, you don't have to pick them all out. I, I've given you some hints, because I know this is, for some of you, very new. Um, but how does it change things if we had this hope? If we've said to God, God, yes, I, I do take you at your word, that you, that you have a mercy for me, you give me new life. Um, how does it help to change things? Have a little chat together, uh, just for a couple of minutes. Uh, 1 Peter 1, um, sort of 4 onwards. Uh, you might want to pick out the one that you think, oh, I love that, that that could change that uh, for me. Have a little chat, and then I'll go through this briefly, and then we'll uh, come on uh, close. Okay. Um, I know you could talk about this all afternoon. Let's have a quick... Any any thoughts? How does it change things? How does it change things? How does it change things? Any thoughts? Any thoughts? I know it's tricky. How does it change things? Yeah, Zach? So that's really, really helpful, Zach. Thank you. Um, so, so suffering changes. The way we suffer changes when we have hope. The Bible is very clear. It's not that becoming a Christian means that no suffering will come. Um, and, and I've heard people being told that, and it, and it kind of breaks my heart because it sets people up for a fall. But, but the way we view suffering changes. This is not everything, and it's not forever. There is a hope to come. I can know God more 
through suffering. He's a God who suffered himself. Um, those of you who have done something really arduous next to someone else, like a big long run or a walk or a, a hike or the men's walking weekend, easy walk in two years ago, um, we, we formed bonds with each other that no one else will understand when we were poisoned by wild garlic walking up a vertical wall. Like, we've been through something awful together and that's formed a bond that can never be broken um, no, it's not a joke, true story. Like, we talk about a band of brothers, right? So suffering changes. Any others? Any others? Any others? And an inheritance that's kept for you in heaven, there's a security to this promise. It can't be taken, it can't be lost. Even when it feels like it's not there, it's secure. Let, let me just run through, right? Really quick, how does it change things? It gives a security even when life is wobbly. Life feels a bit wobbly at the moment. The Bible says that all governments are under his control, that, that he knows what's, what's, what's going to happen uh, from the beginning. Uh, we can have a security that can't be taken from us. We're shielded. I, I, like, to like, the imagine that, uh, I like to imagine the idea that we're shielded from some of the, the consequence and penalty of, of sin and death. We still encounter its effects in the world, but we're shielded from it. Our, our souls can't be lost. Our eternity can't be taken. We can have a real assurance that even should death come, even if this suffering ends in death, that, that, that better um, to be with Christ than here by far. As Zach said, the way we view suffering can change. It can change the way we, we walk with people in suffering, the way we're meant to mourn with them, salt in the wound like Tim Keller talked about. Having hope means that we might see God when we can't see him, which sounds a bit kind of funny, but, but we can say actually there are others who can encourage me, who can remind me. I can look back and see where God was at, at work. It can change the way we view the whole of the world. It changes things in verse 9 by giving us salvation. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There is more to life than this. There is an eternity. There is a God who will stand before and give, give, give reason of how we've lived to. And lastly, sanctification is about transformation and change. At the very beginning, I told a very cheesy story about a town that had lost hope and began to be a little bit dilapidated. I think for us who have been believers for a long time, it can start to feel a bit cold and a bit dry. And our town begins to look a bit dilapidated again. I want to encourage us to have a hope that, that God is coming, that he's coming back, that, that he's the one that's done it all. That we can approach him and love him and he's holding these things secure for us. Uh, final slide, Dan, here we go. It's only where others say it's hopeless that hope truly shines as well. And so I want to encourage us to be a church to offer hope to people, hope through addiction, through, through illness, through suffering, through failure, through moral failure, through just the challenges of life. I want us to be a church that hold out a living hope, which is Jesus.